started. It's the keys to you renewed. How many of you need some renewal, some refreshment, uh, some renewed youth? So we finished the part one last time. I'm going to continue with the second part. And just as a quick review that in the promises of God, in what is available to us as believers, huge renewal on the inside. And this is actually good news because if you've got it renewed on the inside, it's going to come out on the outside. If you've got it just renewed on the outside, it's superficial and it's not lasting. But you don't just get renewed on the inside, which is the most powerful. God works things from the inside out. You actually do get renewed on the outside. You get renewed youth. Uh, you get uh, forgiveness of your iniquities, uh, diseases healed, redemption from your life from destruction, crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies, uh, satisfying your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, and justice for the oppressed. That's outside renewal. You get renewed strength. Oh, my goodness. How many of you are like, oh, give me strength? Yeah, and he does. That's the beauty. He takes advantage of the garbage that comes in our lives, the things that he has not authored, but that are just part of the human experience being born into a fallen world to bring out this strengthening in you that you're a champion. So you get renewed strength and that renewal that brings transformation. How does this actually work from the inside out and be transformed by the renewal of your mind? You get life renewal. You've acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed in the likeness of Christ. And these are all all promises about renewal for you, everything you need from the inside, from the outside, strength and life, all of it, you get it all. Woohoo. And the question is, how do you get there from here? So they're practical keys. This is not a formula. Okay. I don't, I don't know. God doesn't do formulas and I find them annoying because they're not real. And it's us trying to manipulate and control things, but there are some keys that we can track with and take advantage of to partner with the renewal that God is authoring. So, uh, we're going to do at least three keys today. I'll just see how uh, I have nine in the total of the series. So I'm, I'm planning on doing three today. Uh, and I'm just going to renew, uh, I'm just going to renew them. I'm just going to repeat them for you uh, as an overview. So the first key, as you are, are, are working to partner with God, God, I'm wiped out. I need renewal. I need renewed vision. I need renewed strength. I need renew, renewed youth. I need renewed with all this stuff that's going on the inside. I re- need renew, renewal on the outside and renewal in my life, my vision, my ministry, my vocation, 
all of this, all of the promises that you have. Uh, first key I have is, is that we can remind ourselves that all renewing and strengthening comes from one source, and that is God himself. See, when you get confused about your source, you're going to run into looking to a bunch of things that may seem like a source, and it works on a temporary basis, and then it kind of peters out, right? And you see this when um, when you're looking to anything but God himself. God is the only uh inexhaustible source. There's a lot of conduits, all life, all all truth, all light uh, comes from one source. And that is the person who is light and life and truth, who is love. That never fails. One source. And so we have to be sure that we're not getting confused. And we fall for things. We sometimes we start out really good and we're really looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. And then all of a sudden, you know, we maybe there's a, a teacher or um a minister or you know, a, a relationship or something that is amazing and that brings life but what what we have to recognize is that they're not the source of that life they are a conduit through which that life flows and so if you're looking to that person that ministry that teaching that whatever god has put before you as a conduit if you're looking to that as a source um, uh, you're going to eventually, uh, tap that, that out as a source. Okay. Suddenly it's no longer going to be what you needed because they can't be that for you. That thing can't be that for you. That person cannot be that for you. Uh, they cannot be God for you. And if they are, it's called an idol. And we do all sorts of things. We get so confused about, um, about sources, right? So, you know, and, and, and you see it all around you. It's easier. Sometimes it's easier to see it like in the world because it's so blatant if you're a believer. Uh, so in the world where, you know, money and power and sex and, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we kind of get a new gospel. It's a gospel of a political gospel or a, a social gospel or, um, uh, a, um, and any other, you know, sex, money, power, beauty, you know, um, uh, uh, a talent, right? And all those things, um, uh, are, are, are good things when they're, they're treated properly, but not as a source. You know, sex is good. Money is good. Um, uh, uh, uh beauty is good. You know, all these things are, are, are good things. Um, a, a vocation is good, all these things, but they're not the source. And anything that becomes a source that's not God is an idol and it will, uh, disappoint you at best, uh, but suck the life out of you at worst. Idols are bad for us. That is why God insists, insists 
that he be God and there be no idols before him. Is is that because he's he's an egomaniac God? It's like, well, you got to worship me and I'll be jealous of anything else you worship. Well, in a way he is jealous for anything else you worship, not because he's insecure, but because he is jealous for you and anything else that has you as a God, it will hurt you. And so he hates anything that will hurt you. Anything that molests his kids, he he hates sin, he hates death. All of those things are, if there's an idol, it will suck you dry and kick you to the curve and leave you damaged and less than who you are. So God insists on being God. What a concept. And, you know, it's easier to see in the world, uh, but sometimes, oh my goodness, a lot of times, within the church, whatever, we make all things, we make ministry an idol. Well, that will suck you dry and leave, you know, kick you to the curb, right? We make good teachers and 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 prophets and and you know pick a card, any card, a minister, an idol. And that will disappoint and and a lot of times harm relationship because it becomes something it's not supposed to be. It's come become something unhealthy, right? And so God, because he loves us, is jealous for us because he will not have anything uh, to have us other than himself, because he's the source that will not run dry, that will not disappoint. Okay, so let's go to Colossians 1.16. This is from the King James. It says, for by him, this is Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist. Okay. So, you know, this is the all thing. This is the allness of Christ. If you try to look at anything outside of Christ, um, you're looking at delusion because there's nothing outside of Christ. Now, I didn't say there was nothing outside of Christianity because Christ is in all things and by him, all things consist. So a lot of the other religions in this world are tracking with Christ in a very significant way, sometimes better than the Christians, right? But they may just not realize that it's actually Christ, the one who died for them on the cross, right? And so, you know, we, we're all, we're, we all have, Christianity hasn't arrived. All these other religions haven't arrived, whatever. Um, trying to make self, you know, you're following yourself, your own heart. Well, that can be a religion. It's a religion of self. That's a dangerous religion. All of that religion is just actually dangerous, but. But when we're looking to Christ, we start to see how all those things will feed into that. You know, all it's like, uh, uh, you know, Holy Spirit had revealed to Paul Young, you know, do all do all paths lead to Christ? And um, he was like, oh, crap, that's a great question. And how do I answer that? Oh, Holy Spirit might know and d- does and did and said, most paths lead nowhere. But Christ is on all paths. So he's on all paths, whatever path you were on, he's on that path with you leading and guiding you toward himself, right? So 
Um, that is brilliant and it's so true. But all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible or invisible. So, you know, he is the source of all things. And they were created by him and for him. Well, does, you know, because the truth, you belonging to him is a good thing. Why he created you. And as you recognize that you belong to him, it is, the, it is where you belong. And we suffer because we have this need to belong in humanity, but then we're trying to belong to things outside of Christ and it ends up biting you in the butt. Anything outside of Christ is darkness, is delusion, and will bite you in the butt eventually, right? So he is before all things and by him, all things consist. So let's go on to verse 19. I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. It says, um, <clears throat> for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. See, this is the way you get renewed because as um, as the person of Christ, God is all invested in himself, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So there's no Father that's not in the fullness of Christ, no Christ that's not in the fullness of the Father, no Spirit that's not in the fullness of, of the Father and the Son, no Father and Son. Without the fullness of the Spirit, there are they are one, okay? And it says all things, all the fullness, there's nothing outside of Christ. And by the blood of the cross. Okay, so, you know, God invested himself in humanity, not just, a, yeah, I got your back. No, he went all in becoming human, shedding blood, buckets of blood, like draining his blood out on behalf of humanity to restore humanity back to himself. And this is where humanity is restored, is renewed back to original intent, restored to innocence again. You know, when you think about it, when was the last time you felt innocent? You felt pure. You felt holy. You felt fresh. You felt new. You felt without condemnation. When was the last time you felt that the birth of the freshness of who you really are? Because that's what God is doing. You see, he wants sons and daughters that, that are, are coming to the kingdom as children, which means they're, you know, children are dependent on their father. They, they don't have any brilliant ideas outside their, their parents, right? <clears throat> And they trust, <clears throat> they're able to trust because they know, yeah, well, I don't need to worry about that because my dad's got me. Yeah, we're good. And you can be that child. This is how you inherit the kingdom with the simplicity of trust that believes in a father that loves them and is all powerful. So let's go to, um, let's go to John 15, five, right? We're talking about this key of God as the source of everything. We got to get this. There's nothing outside of Christ. There's nothing outside of God. And, you know, sometimes in the church, we get really um, like you're in, you're out. And, and God is like, well, like you're all in 
And you need to wake up to the fact that you're all in. So, you know, treating people as if they're outside of Christ is impossible, right? You don't join the club uh, based on your decision. You awaken to the fact that you're already in, that there's nothing out, and you partake of what being in means because you're already in. This is the human, this is God, God reconciling all things to himself all of creation, including all of humanity, the ones that know him, the ones that don't know him. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I'm having a, a this ongoing discussion with certain people on social media, and they're so big on, you see, not everybody got, is God's child. And I'm like, this is a missing the point. And I, I'm just not going to argue, but I don't know where you get born and created if it's not through God. What is outside of God? Where is God limited? You see, the thing is, um, if we focus so much on the in and out of the church or not in the church, and I, I you know, you got to choose Christ. There's only one way to the Father. Okay, that's, but the one way to the Father is on every path there is in humanity, whether you're operating in the church or outside of the church, to bring and bring humanity back to the Father. And most of the paths, even in Christian circles, we act like we got it all together in Christianity. Are you kidding me? We are so confused. Okay. But if we're acting as if there's something outside of Christ, we're saying that God is limited. No, God is not limited. We're limited. And we need to awaken to that truth. So, um, so let's go to John 15, five that says, as you remain in me and me and you, you will bear much fruit. Abide in me, right? Abide, stay. Abide means to stay with, remain without changing and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, let me think, oh, nothing. So when we're operating outside of Christ, outside of the truth of him as a source, we will bear zero, nothing of eternal value. We'll bear lots of destruction. We'll bear lots of futility. We'll bear lots of, of, of frustration at best or just pure destruction. But acting as if you're apart from God or you're trying to do it in your own strength, in your own intellect, in your own understanding, we're not supposed to lean on our own understanding. We're supposed to acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct our paths. This is where we can operate being led by the Spirit to the things that are consistent with the fruit of the Spirit, and this is where we bear much fruit. Okay, so let's go to key number two. Key number two is awakening to the truth that you are one with the source of all things. We're not trying to get there. We're not trying to get to God. Okay, we might recognize that God might be the source of everything, but then if you think you're separate, then you're like, I got to get there. No, you were there based on the championship of his decision for you. You started from that place. You didn't fall out of that place. There's no falling out of that place except in your mind. And this is where we're awakening to truths that are not true uh, because we understand them. They're true apart from our understanding. But when we awaken to those truths, that's when we experience the truth. Okay. So Christ isn't Lord 
because you choose him. Christ has always been Lord. And when you choose him, his lordship comes on your life and you bear the fruit of his lordship, which is freedom, right? Where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So let's go to Ephesians 1, 4. Um, So it says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself. So who, how did, how did you, where are you in that equation? He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. So what was your part in that? Your, there's, your part was being, was being, all right. And the person, the entity you are being an entity, being you, he chose you. He joined you. You didn't join yourself to him. He already joined you to him. And you did not have a vote in this. He created you and joined you to himself before he laid the foundation of the universe. Okay. Because of his great love, he ordained us or marked us by love, marked us with his love. I'm going to make my mark of love upon you because you're mine and I'm love. So you look just like me. You bury the marks of love. So that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. This is how he sees you, holy and with unstained innocence, because that's who you really are. Where you're not acting like that, you don't know that. Where I'm not acting like that, I don't know that, right? Where you feel separate, it's it's a delusion in your mind. Because it's impossible for you to be separate from God, except in your mind. Okay. Um, And that gives you the identity of unstained innocence. And this is all God. Our part is to awaken to the truth of his choice. Our part is to awaken to the truth that we're joined. We can't be unjoined except in our minds. So, and he's helping, helping us with that awakening. Let's go to Galatians 2.20, Passion Translation. It says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. So, Any part of you, any identity of you that's seen as separate, that is, has already been co-crucified with Christ is dead. There's no true identity that is a true identity that is apart from Christ. Any identity that you have that is, is, does not, uh, that, that feels separate is not even a real thing. It's an anti thing. It's not true. It's smoke and mirrors. It's shadows. It's lies. The truth of who you are is being co-crucified with Christ and one with God. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. It is from this union that's already established. There's no part of a true you that is separate. Every false you, every shadow self is actually being, uh, being, um, uh, is being, uh, honestly destroyed. God is working that out of you 
because it's not of you. So every false self, God is actually being burned up by love himself. God is a consuming fire. And as the person of love, what does God consume? Everything that's not of love's kind. Well, who you truly are, spotless with unstained innocence, made in the image and likeness of love, one with the person of love. You are love. You are that. You are of that essence because you're his, you're his son, you're his daughter, joined with himself, nothing separate. Everything that is a false self, that is being burned up, okay? Because there is no life in that. It's not even a real thing. And and that carries the marks of, of death, of darkness, right? It's not life, but who you truly are is the one that God loved and gave you up for himself. And this is where he dispenses his life. And the more you're tracking with that, that oneness and that union with him, the more you're receiving and experiencing that life that he dispenses as the source into you. You do not go in and out of Christ. The word of God says that you're sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's Philippians 4, 12 through 13, so that you're complete in him. He's the source. There's nothing apart from him. It says that we're co-heirs with Christ. That means an heir gets stuff from the father. How, how does an heir get stuff from their father? They Do they work for it? No, they get it by inheritance because they are true children, right? That's what they did. Hi, you were born and you get an inheritance. Okay, well, let me just say this. You're a son and daughter born from above, which is the same word as born again, okay? And receiving an inheritance because you're a son and you're a daughter. Are you doing anything to earn that inheritance? Is it because you have something you have to earn your worth to earn the inheritance? No, you're worthy because you're his and so you get an inheritance and it's a co-heir. Co means with, with, with Christ. How much inheritance has Christ received from the father? Well, Christ has received all things. So you as a co-heir receive all things. Why? You're a son and daughter of God, right? And that is, um, is that how God is pouring into you? We are awakening to the truth that we already are sons and daughters. We already are one with God. God is the source of all things. We're one with the source of all things. So we, so we receive this life dispensed into us because we're children, because we're sons and daughters. And, you know, we don't have to convince God to be good. This begging, okay? No, it just, if you have to beg God to be good, he's not good. Okay. Goodness is who he is. It's his idea. <laughs> he can't help. He can't not be good. Okay. We are crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. That was from last week, Psalm 103, 4. God is love and we are one with love. Second John 4, 8 and 16. So no one and no one is excluded. There's no bit of humanity that is excluded because humanity has its source rooted in God. God is the only creator. The enemy doesn't create, okay? God is the creator. God created sons and daughters. God births sons and daughters. There's there's people that totally act like the devil, 
because they don't know they're a son and daughter of God. This is a delusion, um, but it's not truth, right? So no one is excluded as he died for the entire world. First John 2, 2, you're in, I'm in, the whole world is in, and we're in the process of awakening to the reality. Awakening to the reality doesn't make it true. It's true. And we experience it more as we awaken to the truth. Key number three, we are holy and just, just like Jesus. Okay, so Christ made us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin that we would be made the righteousness of God. So you're made the righteousness of God. Uh, That is by birth, by being born again, by being one with him, right? Um, Christ made us his righteousness. First John 4, 17, this is from the Amplified Version. It says, in this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is so are we in this world as christ is that's how you are in who you really are in the ways that you're not acting like that you're acting with a false shadow self a shadow is not a real thing uh, darkness is actually not a real thing. Now you experience it, okay, but it's not real. So the more you track with who you really are as Christ in this world, as he is, so are you. So is, is Jesus depressed? No. Is Jesus unholy? No. Is Jesus selfish? No. Is Jesus um, um, unrighteous? No. Well, neither are you. Wake up to that fact and you'll be empowered to act holy, righteous, happy, stable, complete in him. Uh, let's go to Ephesians uh, 4, 22 through 24. I'm reading this from the King James. It says, so, so what are we supposed to do with this? And this is how it answers. So be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay. That you put on the new man, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, if you're coming from the mindset that your old man, your shadow self, your sinful nature is actually who you are, that's a lie, then you might look at this and say, okay, so I need to cover myself up with this new identity. Who I really am is is sinful, but I got to cover this up. No, this is... This is the word enduo. When it says put on the new man, it's the word enduo. And enduo means to sink into like a robe. So if I, if I say this correctly, so be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you sink into the truth of, wrap around the truth of so that it convinces your whole being of who you are as the new creation, the new man, the new woman, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, you sink into the truth of who you are. That is the truth. You don't try to make it happen. You're not trying to cast something down. You're not grappling with it. No, you're awakening and sinking into the truth like you would reclining. Oh, that's who I am. 
okay, I forgot for a hot minute or I forgot for a lifetime that I'm after God, I'm created after God in righteousness and true holiness. God, I'm really righteous and truly holy. Yeah, that's who you are. And so, and what we do is we allow that truth to renew our minds. This is Holy Spirit convincing us, honey, you're just like me. You're just like Jesus. You're just like Papa. You're righteous and truly holy. Sink into that. Put your whole weight of your consciousness, of your understanding on that. Let me convince you over and over in every place that doesn't feel righteous and truly holy. Colossians 3.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.17 say we've already become a new creation. We're not trying to get a new creation, to become a new creation. We already are a new creation. When were we, when were we made that new creation? Well, number one, we were who we were in true righteousness and holiness, spotless without blemish before the foundation of the world. Okay. Then as we experienced in our natural birth, being born into a fallen world with all these fallen mindsets. Well, you know what? Christ came in the flesh over 2000 years ago and that false um, delusional uh, self, the the sin nature was crucified with him. It's mystical. I, I don't know how it works. I just know it does. Um, in him and rose again with him. And we were birthed. Humanity was birthed a new creation. As a matter of fact, uh, the new creation wasn't just humanity. It was all creation. Everything that fell was rebirthed a new creation when Christ was raised from the dead. The same realm was restored, was healed to original design. And now we're working that out. As the sons of God awaken to who they are, we work that out and creation itself is released from its bondage. You're going to need to sit with that and let that let the understanding of that come up. First uh, uh, John three twenty one says, "Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God." Um, so the bo- bottom line is where you're tracking with con- with condemnation. Let God heal that. I tell people resist condemnation like you resist sin. Why? Because there's no condemnation in Christ. So you're operating as outside of Christ where there's nothing but darkness. But if you don't allow your heart to condemn itself and you say, Jesus, I'm running you to you. I'm feeling condemned. Heal my heart so I'm not condemned. Cleanse me of this falsity of condemnation. And then when you're experiencing that, then you can run boldly with confidence towards God to uh, in your consciousness to obtain everything that is provided by grace. And that is renewal. You see, you're not going to run towards God for this renewal if you're feeling unworthy and condemned, right? But when you let God convince you, it's like, honey, no, that is not allowed. Condemnation is not allowed. Let me help you with that. Forgive yourself. Receive my forgiveness. Let my blood cleanse your consciousness of sin so you're not condemned, so that you will run towards me and embrace everything I have for you because you're a new creation. You are spotless and and, and without blemish. You are worthy because you're mine. And then you can receive everything that I have for you, including 
renewal on the inside, renewal on the outside, renewal of strength, renewal in your mind, youth renewal. Pick a card, any, any card. It is all yours because I'm the source. You're one with me and you're not operating as if you are apart from me. That's how you receive. So those are the three um, first keys that I'm uh, sharing for you to experience this. Anyway, sit sit with these. These require a lot of meditation. Let it sink in. Let it bathe you and cleanse you. And it's going to release life to you. Okay, guys, I hope this has been a blessing. Share this with someone who needs it. We'll be going forward with the next three keys next time. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.